if I have a great product and it's coming from a great place, Mm -hmm. you know, and with, you know, positive motives, good will prevail. And I think in this really screwed up world that we're living in and what we see on social media and what we see on the news and it's easy to think that good doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that to show her that like, even though I do get negative comments sometimes, I get way more positive support. And there are people out there that are smart and good and don't care about what you look like. They care about, you know, just a good positive business. Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Show. Uh, Today, you're really in for a treat if you want to be inspired on how to build a company from zero to 15 million in revenue. Uh, Today on the show, we have Rachel Roth, who is a highly successful licensed medical esthetician, certified laser technician, and founder and owner of Urban Skin Solutions Med Spa and Laser Weight Loss Center right here in Charlotte, North Carolina. She is also the founder of Urban Skin Rx, which is an unparalleled line of clinical skincare products. And guys, I'm here to tell you um, that this stuff is phenomenal, Um, both her skin, her skincare line and the med spa. So her med spa was the first place I've ever gotten a facial. Um, Absolutely love it. Won't go anywhere else. Um, And her um, her products are phenomenal. Uh, You know, me being a man, I typically just use uh, what my wife has. And that stuff is great. And I can tell you, you know, because I'm always just, hey, Madge, what should I use over the past several years? Um, and I love her Rachel stuff the best. And I'm not saying that just because she's a family friend and a friend of ours, but uh, she her company produces really great stuff. And that's the benefit of, of just greatness. Right. It's not a matter of uh, supporting you because you like the person like it's dope. If I didn't know Rachel and didn't have a personal connection, I'm, I'm pretty certain we would still be using her products, um, you know, and what sparked her journey? Is that, uh, you know, Rachel actually visited dermatologists and estheticians at a very young age for the treatment of her own acne and the removal of a nevus mole on her face. I hope I said that right. Um, her struggle with her own skincare problems inspired in her a desire to help others never have to live with the anguish and low self-esteem issues she struggled with over the appearance of her skin. Um, so seeing the need for corrective treatments and products for all skin tones, she opened Urban Skin Solutions back in 2006 at the age of 20. Five and launched her line of Urban Skin RX clinical skincare products in 2010. Helping others feel great about themselves and their appearance is Rachel's passion. Her other passions include travel, cooking, gardening, shopping, all of the above, and spending time with her daughter, Rosie. Shout out to Rosie. Um, and she currently resides in Charlotte, North Carolina. So guys, you are in for a treat. We have a tried, true, and time-tested business owner, entrepreneur, hustler on the show. And so tune in, tap in, you won't regret it. 
So everybody, welcome Rachel Roth to the show. How are you doing, Rachel? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited for you to be here. So just let y'all know, um, we are really appreciative that Rachel's here. It's Friday night. It's raining. And she's not feeling the best. And she still showed up to uh, do this podcast. So definitely grateful and excited about the show. So I know I'm going to do the, the formal intro, the formal bio and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in your own words, who, who is Rachel Roth? Like, who are you? What are you all about? All that good stuff. Well, I am a single mother and I'm a CEO of two companies. One is Urban Skin Solutions, which was my first baby. It's a medical spa and laser center in Charlotte, North Carolina that I opened in 2006, specializing in the needs of diverse skin tones. Mm -hmm. And then roughly in 2010, it's always hard for me to know the exact day that I birthed my <laughs> other brand. Um, I started Urban Skin RX, which is a product line that consists of clinical skincare products mm -hmm. that... Um, really specialize in the needs of treating common skin conditions and concerns in darker skin tones. Awesome. Awesome. So let's let's rewind back a little bit. So because um, you started that business when the first one in 2006, when Two, I was 24, 24, 2006. Yeah. So did you always know that that's something that you wanted to do? Like, how did you even get to the point of like launching and starting that? No. So growing up, I suffered from a lot of um appearance issues mm -hmm. that led me to be bullied and have really low self-esteem. I was really overweight. I had a precancerous mole on my face mm -hmm. that people love to tease me about. And then, you know, to stop it all off, then I, about 12, 13 years old, started getting horrific acne. So I was mm. like overweight, had this like terrible mole on my face and had acne. So it just felt so uncomfortable in my body. Initially, um, my mom started taking me to dermatologists to see if they could remove the mole. It's like right here on the side of my mouth. Mm -hmm. So it was very scary to see how could we remove it, cut it out without it completely distorting my smile, the way I talked. And so um, they were scared to cut it out because mm -hmm. of that. So I started getting um, being part of different trial studies at UCSF Medical Center in San Francisco to see if they had a laser that could more safely remove it. Got it. And then was also going to a dermatologist who had an esthetician mm -hmm. to do treatments for my acne. And so I think maybe freshman year of high school when I really started to see be around the emerging medical spa industry, which started earlier in California than it did in other places. I was like this is amazing. This is what I want to do because yeah. I could have a job where I'd have all these tools to make myself look better. Cause I saw the impact on my self-esteem when right. I did have solutions to problems that were affecting me in so many areas of my life. And then just me being a compassionate person was like, I would love to do this for other people. At that point in time, there was never a focus on skin tone, anything mm -hmm. related to that. You know, I grew up in Northern California with a liberal Jewish family um, a lot of members of my family have married outside of their race. I have friends of all different ethnicities and mm -hmm. just wasn't really thinking in terms of like anything specific. I just right. wanted to be a master at my trade one day. And fast forward, I ended up moving to Charlotte, North Carolina to I um, 
switch schools from USF, um, you know, the University of San Francisco, to UNC Charlotte mm-hmm. with my best friend. We moved out here for a couple different reasons, mainly for me to support her. And obviously, you know, Charlotte is the South that has one of the largest <laughs> yes, African American populations in the country. Mm-hmm. And so when I finished college and went into the aesthetics industry and went to aesthetic school, it was very noticeable that it was nothing but white people. So I'm in a mm-hmm. town that has kind of half white, half black population, but right. my school didn't reflect that and the education didn't reflect that. And the people we were able to practice on, which was each other, didn't mm-hmm. reflect that. So I'm getting questions from friends and family with darker skin, like, you know, what can I do for this and what can I do for that? And when I would turn to my teachers, it was just like, darker skin scars really easily so we just don't really touch them and i'm like wow there's no way that's true there's african-american dermatologists out there how can you just ignore an entire you know race's skincare needs and so i really still at this point was not like i'm going to focus on darker skin it was Mm -hmm. like i want to be good at all skin types so through ordering, you know, dermatology books on Amazon and seeking out continuing education courses in like Atlanta on darker skin pigmentation, I've really taught myself. And, you know, there is a funny story that is my first job was working for a medical spa and I was their first employee. This chiropractor had bought this $100,000 laser because (laughs) his wife was spending a whole lot of money getting lasered and he just thought it would be easy money. So he had no marketing plan. He put the business in an office park so nobody could see the sign and nobody knew it was there because he had no marketing plan. And um, I was being paid like 12 bucks an hour with, you know, um, a commission structure that I wasn't tapping into because I had Mm -hmm. no clients. Well, I ended up figuring out that the laser was safe for darker skin. And that was very rare. It was a Mm. YAG laser that was rare for the market. And so I started using it on some male friends and female friends who had really Mm. bad ingrown hairs. And because obviously, if you have no more hair growth, you don't have ingrown hairs anymore. So by lasering the hair, you know, removing the hair, it cleared that up. And I was like gosh, this is amazing. I took some great before and after pictures. And I'm like, I really think barbershops should see this. And so like total guerrilla marketing style made these flyers. My best friend, Joey, like drove me up and down, like even like Betty's Ford road. (laughs) And like me, this like girl would walk into these barbershops and mind you, you know, most of these barbershops were Mm African-American. It's intimidating walking to a barbershop as a woman, right. you know, let alone a white woman. Everyone's like, why the hell is she here? <laughs> and But it worked. Like, people were impressed with these pictures. And wow. slowly we started getting some business. And I was able to convince the owner to let me write a commercial and buy a small schedule on a local R&B station. It's saying that we had safe laser hair removal for darker skin and the phones just started ringing and ringing so i was like you know what i think that this could be something amazing Mm -hmm. i think charlotte needs a med spa that caters to the needs of diverse skin tones and so that's what led me to open urban skin solutions well that is a dope story i know that's long-winded but i don't always tell everybody that really a lot of this came from like Walking into literally like 50 barbershop doors. No, that's dope. I'm glad you actually unpacked that because I, number one, I didn't know that story. Um, And two, I think it speaks to like the tenacity that it takes. Like people might see the Rachel now and just like, oh, she's up here. She's high level. But like 
you got to have that grit in order to, I mean, before you even knew that you had it, right? You just, it just seemed logical at the moment. Like you wanted to help people and you felt like that was a place to go mm -hmm. to reach people. And I think that that's an important part of the story. So, okay. So you have this, uh, the, the med spa. Mm -hmm. Okay. I've actually gotten a couple of facials there. My first facial ever was at the med spa. I'm probably shamefully, I probably should have had a facial long before that, but, um, and I got one like a couple months ago. So great place to be. Um, so at what point from there, it's like, okay, I got this med spa, I'm helping people, um, I'm doing the thing that I wanted to do. How did that uh, evolve into, well, now I got to formulate my own stuff? Well, I'll be honest with you, and not everybody hears this story Ooh, either. Exclusive, exclusive. Yes, no, it is exclusive. Um, and so initially when I started formulating products, it was mm. never with the goal of having some big skincare line. It was mm -hmm. actually all around the branding of my medical spa. And so at that point in time, I was caring about six or seven other people's lines, mm -hmm. recognizing that people could get these products elsewhere if they wanted to. So I'm like, I want to force these people to come back to me when they gotcha. run out of products. Plus, what's better than seeing, you know, my brand sitting on their kitchens, their bathroom sink when they wash their face every day, you mm -hmm. know, and then in addition to that, I really did find that no one line had um, fit the needs of my consumer, which my consumer had a lot of issues with hyperpigmentation, mm -hmm. meaning that um, called post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, which is when your skin gets an injury such as a pimple, an ingrown hair, a scratch, mm -hmm. it leaves a dark mark. Right. And so to me... I wanted a product line really focused on predominantly hyperpigmentation and how to clear it up versus a lot of lines had maybe like one or two products for that. Mm -hmm. But I wanted a full extensive line. So if you had oily skin, you had options for hyperpigmentation versus if you had dry skin, I wasn't just pigeoning everybody into one hole. So mm -hmm. it was due to a lot of different reasons, but I would say the initial reason was to continue to just have better marketing and right. client retention of my med spa. Got it. Um, so started making those products and then due to some celebrity clients that I had, mm -hmm. like Fantasia, Phaedra Parks, Tasha Cobbs, like when they would come for services, they would pick up the products and I wasn't on social media at the time, but mm -hmm. they were and just very authentically, they would post the products. Yeah. I promise. Totally <laughs> not paid. Right, right, right. And so people would call and be like, I, I want the product. So I'm like, well, shit, let me throw together a <laughs> website, I guess. And it was like, literally, I promise you, Urban Skinner X was the biggest afterthought for the first two to three years. I remember I had this amazing employee who was a receptionist who took it upon her to make sure mm -hmm. the orders were delivered on time. She packaged them. And I was always like, oh, this is so annoying. This yeah, is getting yeah. like bigger. Out I'm, of business. Yeah. yeah, I'm focused on the med spa. And and then I remember one day I realized that the skincare line had brought in $20,000 in a month. Wow. And I think, you know, my med spa was maybe doing, you know, it was doing better than that. But mm -hmm. it was still like, okay, $20,000 is a considerable amount of money. I can't ignore this anymore. Yeah, it wasn't profit, but it was, you know, gross. Right, right, but right. still, you know, there's potential here. So... Then from that moment on, it started getting my attention. And now, you know, I would say as of today, Urban Skin RX gets, you know, 90% of me and the medical spa gets about 10% of me. Wow, that's dope. So it was created out of just kind of happenstance, really. It was like, okay, I'm already supplying these other products. 
people are buying them. They're my place. Why don't I have some of my own products? And then it blossomed into, obviously there's a big runway in between, but blossomed into what it is today. Yeah. And I think, you know, I meet people every day that just like, I don't want to deter somebody from wanting to be a business person. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think sometimes if you don't have a specific passion other than just wanting to be an independent entrepreneur, I think that's where franchises can be really good for that type of person. Right. Um, But I think that like, if you just look at my story, even down to the skincare line, it was just, it wasn't like, I want to make a lot of money. It was like, I have this passion to Mm -hmm. provide this service or this need that is like really needed. And I think that that's what it takes to have a really successful founder led company. You have to actually care. It can't, it can't, it can't just be, Oh, I see an opportunity to make a lot of money, which, which is, you know, what people might automatically assume of a lot of entrepreneurs are, you know, like, Oh, they're just doing that to make money. But like the proof is in the pudding that when you actually care, like your business will grow, which, Brings me to a next uh, kind of an impromptu question. So, like, you decided early to niche, right? Like, maybe unintentionally or intentionally, but like, I'm going to serve these people who are underserved. Mm-hmm. And so, because of that, people who don't understand business or just out of just the scarcity mindset might assume that if you niche down, you're closing the doors to so many other people who could pro- potentially benefit from your product. So, what gave you the confidence to say, I'm going to build a business around? uniquely serving these people while did you ever feel like you were going to lose all the other folks that could benefit from your service or is was it more so the this is who i want to help and it is what it is i mean at 24 i don't know if i thought that all the way through but i will say that you know now where i've evolved to as a businesswoman i still very much believe in niche markets Mm -hmm. i mean We just did a general audience study on our company Mm -hmm. and, you know, to just see how much more opportunity there is with our our core consumer. And we are today about a $15 million revenue brand. Mm -hmm. And I think out of serving... Um, millennial African-American women, which so far has been our biggest consumer, mm-hmm. I think only like 8% of people had heard of my brand. Wow. So I think we really have to take into consideration the population of the yeah, world that we're living in. And I am a very niche brand. And recently we had something amazing happen with our company was we had a video go viral on tiktok yeah i remember you matched me about that and it was with a young woman who's not Mm african-american and um i mean the impact it had on our brand in sales was just insane and it caused all these other viral authentic videos on tiktok and all of them are not african-american i mean the majority of these videos are all younger white kids and Mm -hmm. so we have had some internal discussions on like you know do we want to pivot should we become more general audience and i'm like hell no yeah not at at all i mean by no means do i ever want to make somebody feel like they are not a valued customer Mm -hmm. you know i have friends family myself that you know aren't african-american and the products work great but um 
I'm a loyal person and you know this is the consumer who has been there to support me I feel like there's so much more work that um, I can still do to help that consumer mm-hmm. and I also don't want them to make them feel like it hasn't been genuine right oh she now now she's just pivoting to the no yeah. uh-uh. so we will right. always you know be focused on like what the brand was founded upon which is you know really bringing inclusivity to the skincare industry that mm-hmm. has been so uninclusive of the needs of darker skin wow that's dope and so you kind of just um loosely mentioned it um like i know for you you know you're in it every day you're not money driven you just goal oriented and you want to serve people but you mentioned that you um you're the ceo of a 15 million dollar revenue company so i'm kind of curious like what is it like um, to be a CEO, what is what is it like a typical day for Rachel? A day, in, I know it, there's probably is no typical day, right? But what is like a typical day for Rachel um, as a CEO of this beauty empire that you're building? Mm, so stressful. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of wins, and I'm. It's really important to me to always celebrate the wins. We do mm-hmm. a lot of celebrating at our company, a lot of yeah. drinking, popping bottles. Um, <laughs> because between the wins, it's so stressful. I mean, in all transparency. I have a lot of days where I don't feel good enough mm-hmm. as a CEO. Um, been looking into finding somebody to do some like CEO coaching, you know, because there are people out there like that. And um, feel pulled in so many directions. Yeah. You know, I feel like a mom that walks into a house with eight kids who haven't <laughs> seen her all day, and it's like Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. You yeah. know, and I can only. I'm at a point now where I'm no longer really doing work if that makes sense like there was years Mm -hmm. where i wrote content and i i mean don't get me wrong i still am part of so many processes but i'm in a stage now where i'm just in a million meetings giving input and kind of like um approval right and um that's been a very interesting transition but being somebody who my degrees in sociology I really, my biggest skill set is an esthetician, Mm -hmm. formulator. I didn't, wasn't some CEO that was recruited from being a CEO of another company. So sometimes I just struggle with guilt that do I have the right skill set that this team needs. And another thing that's been a struggle for me is there's something called um, managing up. And that's when you manage Mm. people that have a bigger skill set than you. And I'm having to manage CFOs. I'm having to manage my new director of marketing was the director of marketing of CoverGirl. And I'm supposed to set goals for her and give her input on things that she has so much more knowledge than me. And that can be very intimidating. Like some um, advice that I got from um, the owner of Nasty Gal who just sold she sold that and then she just sold a company called Girl Boss for like oh, she sold that too yep she just sold that too was just I think one thing is just really showing people that you hold them accountable so mm-hmm. um, you know when they say that they're going to do something making sure you always follow up about and that's yeah. something that even if you have less of a skill set or knowledge mm-hmm. is them having that respect that you're going to hold them accountable to what they say right i think it's a way of you know making them respect you and mm-hmm. understand but god it's been intimidating scary <laughs> yeah nah that's i mean because uh, it's, it's crazy like you just you know you have this business but it starts out way different 
than you ever imagined it evolving into, which brings me to my next point. Like, did you see this in your head at all? Like, did you know that, like, this is what it was going Not to be? Not in 2006. Hell no. I never saw this. I mean, at first, the big picture was, like, franchising my med spa. And mm-hmm. then with the product, it was then... God, I would give anything to see me on the shelves of like Target or Ulta or Sephora. Mm-hmm. And I am the type of person that I'm a huge goal setter. Right. And but the second I set I complete the goal, it's like it's irrelevant. It never happened. And I just immediately <laughs> replace it with something else. Yeah. And I'm somebody that has to make whatever I set my mind to come true at every cost Hmm. except ethics and morals like i am a very ethical loyal moral person but even when it comes to like my mental health or being sick or Mm -hmm. you know there's been a lot of times where i'm not that happy i feel miserable overworked not good enough different things you know and i can get rid of that by you know retiring or ending or handing the position over to somebody else but right. i'm not going to do that no that's, that's a good point because it's like i know and a great i have, I have the fortunate ability to kind of have at least a little bit of uh, context behind the scenes but like from the outside looking in it can just be everybody wants to be in your shoes like, oh she's this boss and she's traveling and she's doing this and she has this company and she has employees and they have fun and they only see all of that and don't realize there's so much more shit to it, right? I mean, so. let me just tell you. So this week, with us selling out of stuff due to this viral TikTok video, something happened at our warehouse where, with Amazon where orders still continued to go through for a product that we didn't have. Uh. And if you um, ship orders late to your consumers, more than 4%, mm-hmm. they kick you out of Amazon. And it typically takes about six months to get back on. Wow. So we had till 8 o'clock. We found out at 6, and we had till 8 o'clock to ship 130 bars that we didn't have. I like right. rated my med spa. They had like 80. We had like 20 for influencers, and then it came down to finding these 30. And we were literally at like CVS, which we haven't done as well with, like buying our own bars and like literally i had to pee i was freezing the rate (laughs) i was driving and like damn near peeing on myself (laughs) i mean then what else happened this week four of my most important employees um last couple weeks have all sent disgruntled emails saying that Mm. they don't feel like they have the amount of employees that they need to you know they don't have the bandwidth necessary for our growing business mm-hmm. and how stressed out they feel. And then I am up all night worrying one of them's going to leave me and right. the impact it's going to have. And how do I make them feel like I'm, I understand and I'm working to solve the problem. It's like, it, it's so stressful. It's nonstop. It's nonstop. Wow. That's, that's interesting. Um, you know, that brings me to another point. Cause you said like you could stop the stress if you, if you quit or walked away or whatever. Right. So like, what what still drives you at this point? I mean, your company's immensely successful. Um, obviously, you're an equity owner in the company, and you know you probably, if you wanted to, could walk away um, and, and be okay, right? Like, what still drives you to get up every day, keep doing this work? Like, because again, to your point, you didn't see it evolving into this. So, by, you know, for for what it's worth, you've achieved every goal that you possibly could have wanted until you set another one, of course. 
So like what continues to drive you at this point with the level of success you've achieved? I mean, it's probably pretty controversial what I'm going to say. Um, but I like to be honest, you know, Why not? <laughs> my daughter is she's half Jewish. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm Russian Jewish and then she's half African-American and shout out to Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> love Rosie. And, you know, I have dealt with a lot of negative feedback about not you know, being the same race as a lot of my consumers. And um, although I have way more support than negativity, I think showing my daughter that Mm. it doesn't matter what race you are, what you look like, like if you have passion and drive and hard work, you can do anything. And I don't think that I had a lot of people when they heard about my business, thought that I was crazy they didn't think it would resonate that because um, of my race and I didn't care I was like look at the end of the day if I have a great product and it's coming from a great place Mm -hmm. you know and with you know positive motives good will prevail and I think in this really screwed up world that we're living in and what we see on social media and what we see on the news and it's easy to think that good doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that to show her that like, even though I do get negative comments, sometimes I get way more positive support. And there are people out there that are smart and good and don't care about what you look like. They care about, you know, just a good positive business. Dope. Dope. Um, and so this is something that may not be a challenge for you. I don't I don't necessarily have context to, but, you know, you, you can continue to grow this great business. And, you know, now I feel like just to your point, you said you're mainly approving things. And granted, you're still getting your hands dirty and other things. But how do you stay focused? Right. Because now it's like you've built this massive thing. And it's like, you know, now I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, I'm curious, like, are there I'm pretty sure there's people, friends, family, whatever. Hey, Rachel, I got this great business idea. or We should do this. And you might have some ideas of your own. How do you stay so laser focused? And I know you're you're focused to a degree because I remember when, you know, we were doing some some media stuff for you, and I was like, I saw your name on Instagram. I was like, Rachel, you have a dope name. Like, why don't you change your name to your name, Rachel Roth? She's like, no, like Urban Skin is my baby. I'm like, I'm not changing. I'm Urban Skin founder, and to me, that just spoke to the level of just focus and intent that you have on this company. But I wonder, is that just a more so a matter of discipline and just like. I got this goal and nothing else matters right now? Or is it like you do have other things that you entertain? I'm just curious how you ba- how you no, balance all that. I don't that. entertain anything. I yeah. know I'm so determined to get this company to just this level of monstrosity that, you know, <laughs> I can leave this legacy to my daughter and that I can really change the industry because it's not right that a whole entire um, race has been ignored that mm-hmm. I am starting to see um, some changes that I do feel like I'm responsible for. I mean, when we were the first kind of multicultural clinical skincare brand that Target brought in and because we did so well, now mm-hmm. there's Bolden and Specific Beauty. And, right. you know, at the end of the day, I feel so proud of that and um, I don't care about competition because to be honest with you, the more people 
that I have walking to my section and right. it's only better for me. Yeah, Facts. they might be coming there for the bold and brightening toner, but then they might see my even tone bar that they had never heard of because apparently 92% of the population which hasn't crazy. heard of my product. Which is, which is good in the <laughs> yep. right? Yeah. Um, and pick up the even tone bar. So mm. it's not just about the money. It is truly like being a pioneer in, in the industry mm. and feeling that like, all the pain that I went through growing up, like, you know, times when I was younger of not wanting to live and just feeling right. so horrible that, like, God had a plan and that it was just he wasn't taking me through anything that he knew I couldn't handle. And he actually knew that there was something that had such a greater purpose that was going to come from it. Mm -hmm. So just that's just my whole purpose. Dope, 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 dope. This podcast episode is sponsored by CapitalWise. CapitalWise is a boutique financial planning firm serving entrepreneurs of high growth companies. We also have investment management services for all. Plan precisely, invest intelligently. CapitalWise. So, you know, being that you've grown this phenomenal business and, you know, uh, you know, this is a, the uncensored show. We do talk about money. Um, and so my question is like, I see so many businesses, we all do, that don't make it, right? And they don't fail, whether it's because of cash flow, whether the case may be, but specifically around finances, what are um, some big money lessons that you learned through the process of growing your business that you feel like would be helpful to someone who's on the come up, you know, growing any type of business that you felt like, man, I wish somebody would have told me about this when I was growing my business? Having contracts in places with employees to protect myself, like mm -hmm. non-competes, like things like that, like not being so trusting of people, which does affect your um, your PNL. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, I would also say not being that great at measuring things. I'm a very like I do a lot of things off of instincts. So mm -hmm. I like let's change this you know, on the website or let's do this. And I'm not always basing things off of real numbers. Right, I'm not right. A, B testing things, you mm -hmm. know? So I think that numbers never lie. They so, don't. I mean, I think you do at the end of the day have to sometimes take a little bit of instinct. Absolutely. Into things. Absolutely. But overall, I think that there has been, decisions that I have made that if I paid closer attention to the numbers and I've mm. just been like, this will be a great idea. Yeah. You know, I could have saved myself um, some money. What else would it be? Um, I don't know. I think there's been good things. Like I think one thing that I'm passionate about schooling people on is bonus and commission structures mm. and how many people just pay people flat rates and I think when you start a company you know and you don't have that much money having a really thoughtful commission and bonus structure where you know you can really reward somebody with hard work that right, benefits right, right. you like smart you know and um making sure that you change that structure for each person because different positions need to be incentivized differently smart um, so I really recommend people don't treat your business the same when you're not there, but when they know that they're going to, they're 
payroll is gonna their paycheck is gonna be different if they don't get to it exactly yeah. you, know, you can get pretty creative like you have this you know social media manager or whatnot and you can go in there and say okay you know if you have a 98 percent response rate or higher you mm. know you can be bonus this or just there's all different tools you. you know surrounding each position right that can assure better performance um you know, as well. Makes sense. So it's, so it's really about not being generic and being thoughtful about, okay, because yeah. then I could, they're not salesmen, right? They're not, they're not going door to door, you know, selling, you know, uh, even skin tone bars, but it's like their position is still vital to the growth of my company. So how can yeah. I be thoughtful about what they're doing and how it can drive growth based upon what they do. Like my receptionist at my medical spa make commission. Mm. And what I do is I have five receptionists and I think I split maybe I give there's maybe I think I give them two and a half percent of our gross revenue. So let's just say for shits and giggles, our gross revenue for the month is, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Two and a half percent would be twenty five hundred dollars combined. They work, let's say, a thousand hours a month. So I'll divide a thousand hours by $2,500, which is an extra $2.50 an hour. So if one girl works 150 hours, I multiply $2.50 uh, by her hours. Gotcha. So it's just a way of them knowing like how well I close this sale for the esthetician or how nicely I answered this phone call mm -hmm. is affecting my pay. my pay. That's smart. And did you, did you come up with all, all these of it on your yeah, own every oh we got an offline conversation because yeah. i think I'm i not to toot my own harm but i do think that i'm really good with helping figure out how to incentivize people. people with commission okay. i do believe in lower base end, pay base pay with um very achievable commission structures but that still really make them reach a little bit got you okay awesome so what we talked about earlier has to happen you know um you have to help elevate people in this space because that that's a genius concept by the way so being that you've grown your business and now you know a lot of times people they want to run up a check right they finally got the money after hustling all these years um and now that you have some disposable income what do you do with that money? Like, where do you invest it? Do you save it in the bank? Do you put it under the mattress? What do you do with that extra money? I mean, I definitely do invest in material items that aren't going to necessarily um, appreciate, you yeah. know, so I like my purses at times, <laughs> but I do feel like I'm extremely disciplined, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I do invest in the stock market. I recently invested in Boeing. Goodbye. I think, you know, they've gone through some things, but mm -hmm. they're definitely going to prevail. Right. So I think it should have a great return. Um, I'm holding off a little bit right now on some more investments, just watching the market like everybody else and mm -hmm. seeing is it going to drop and be a great opportunity to is, make some can, more. Can you name drop any that, that you got your yeah, eyeballs so, on? Um, there's a stock that I have some history with called KLA. Okay. And um, I started with it when it was really low in the 20s mm -hmm. and it's now in the high 100s. Nice. So... You know, there are tools like I do everything through like my Charles Schwab account and mm -hmm. I do it myself. Although oh, I think I okay. do think that people like you are yeah. definitely necessary. Um, but for me, um, my family has always 
been into the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you can set something where it will automatically purchase the stock once it hits a certain amount. So right now I have my KLA on 162, right, which does present a risk because it could continue dropping past 162. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, I have a full time job and I can't watch the market every single moment. Right. And that's where somebody like you is great. Right. You know, um, but um, also I think, you know evaluating having a little bit of money in either google or facebook at&t or verizon um you know i also you know like to invest in stocks that have dividend returns just so in case um i something happened with my business that Mm -hmm. i had a guaranteed amount of money that i could get right so that's great so i'm glad you said that because a lot of especially early entrepreneurs and granted you've evolved a little bit a lot of a lot of it a lot of early entrepreneurs they they want to put every penny back into the business right every 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 dollar they get they want to reinvest it back into the business which again you want your business to grow but it's important to build that wealth independently outside of your business okay anything else you got your eye on outside of the stock market investment wise well, I have a boyfriend for the first time in seven years. Yeah, I actually know that knucklehead. <laughs> um, and, you know, he's a real estate. Um, he's in real estate. And real estate, is, I mean, it's very, very similar to the stock market. Right. And he was really trying to sway me to go that route. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it's a tiny bit more complicated than clicking a button. Right. And for me, you know, that is why I think I mainly concentrate on the stock market because mm-hmm. It's very just simple. Right. I'm not saying, I mean, you can have huge consequences, right. you know, um, but it's, you know, so we'll see if I get into um, mm, okay. real estate. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, well thank you for sharing those gems. Uh, appreciate it. So as we kind of get closer to closing this thing out, let's pivot a little bit. So, I mean, you've been growing a business for quite a while now um, and it's grown in many, many ways. And, you know, my question is, what sacrifices have you felt like you've had to make along the way or some? I know there's probably many, but like along the way to building the business, because right, sometimes it's like, again, people look at their life now. It's like, oh, I would love to be Rachel now. Um, but like along the way, I just know there's probably so many things you had to say no to. And at the time, it might have seemed like, man, I wish I could just do what my friends are doing or hanging out, relaxing, traveling. Like, what are some things you feel like you maybe missed out on at the time in the process of building this massive empire that you're continuing to build? Um, I mean, honestly, I would say just being carefree and happy. Yeah. I mean, I I dream about work. I mean, my brain can't turn sure. off. I mean, my life is nothing but problems and being mm-hmm. determined to find a solution and I mean there has been some impacts on that in addition to just not being carefree which is you know sometimes being withdrawn from conversation Mm. having bouts of ADD because I'm thinking about (laughs) elsewhere friends feeling burnt out by the amount that I'll vent or talk about business Mm -hmm. you know it really I mean is my whole Life And, you know, the only thing that I would say about that is because I have had some friendships that have suffered from my business. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a combination of jealousy as well as what I just talked about me being consumed with work. But 
I also feel like, you know, a lot of people are quick to be around for the celebrations. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh my God, this is so amazing. You just right. got an Allure Award or Forbes just wrote about you or, you know, we're popping bottles on my dollar to celebrate, <laughs> you know, but then it's like, but you're obsessed with your business. Well, how the hell do you think you grow to a $15 million brand? Right. This That's... is not average stuff and right. average stuff requires a whole nother level of discipline that I don't think people realize. But, you know, the one bit of advice that I would give to people is when they like are on this whole, I want to be a boss, babe, and I want to be a CEO is like, I think the goal should be to be happy. Right. You know, and there's been many days that I have really wished I had a nine to five and, you know, came home to a simple life with Mm -hmm. a husband and a child. And so I think like if you're happy, whether or not you feel like you are working for somebody else, that is truly all that matters. Because when we die, like, and I think you really look back on your life, Mm -hmm. it's going to be about the people you have around you. Were you really happy while you live? Did you live life to its fullest? Like, Mm -hmm. don't be envious of me. I mean, I feel very, very blessed and so excited by what I'm doing but it comes at a cost and I get that we are all dealing with areas of discipline and a cost and whether or not you're dealing with some power tripping boss or Mm. you know not being able to pay your bills because you don't feel like you're you know this successful CEO so I never want to diminish those struggles as well but I just don't want people to think that this is easy and that this is just it should be everybody's goal no everybody's goal should be to be happy right well you you answer what was going to be basically my last question is that like if you look back and it's like on all the things that you've done all the things that you've been through like what advice would you give to the the next rachel right who's just graduating and ready to start start her business it's sounds like to lead with happiness but anything else you want to share in terms of you if you could look back yeah, I was yeah. a pretty shitty boss for a long time. <laughs> you know, just I wouldn't say I always led by example. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted everybody to wear makeup at work and look perfect. And I come to work looking terrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always worked hard. But I just think that it took me a while to understand the concept of leading by example. Also, I could be impatient and condescending at times. You know, I think that as... You're only as good as the team around you. And right. I do feel, feel like, you know, I don't always feel like I'm the best CEO, but I do feel like I'm a great leader. And I think that you don't have to lead people with fear or making them, mm-hmm. you know, feel stupid. I think you really, um, kindness is so important. Like, I was never, don't get me wrong, I was never a bad person, but I think like who I am today and who Mm -hmm. I was before, just, I wish I had been more patient, more kind Mm -hmm. in every situation. Um, I think that maybe that would be some of my advice to myself. Oh, no, that's that's very good. That's very good. So if people don't know who you are, um, which I'm sure that's a, a increasingly shrinking population where can people like tap in with you just to stay connected to what you got going on they can find me at my still instagram (laughs) name will never change um at urban skin founder never you'll never change it 
I mean, maybe when Instagram is irrelevant, I don't know. <laughs> um, but no, I don't plan on changing it. Um, you can go to purchase my skincare products at urbanskinrx.com. The or true can, entrepreneurship fashion plug. Yep, or you can find <laughs> it at Target, CVS, and Ulta. And then if you're interested in my medical spa services, you can go to urbanmedspacharlotte.com. Which I can co-sign on. Like I said, I got my first facial there and I go back now. We I use the products every every night. I got my little bar, you know what I'm saying? Pimple and blemish free. Y'all see me. Yep, men you look take, great. Men take care of yourself too. Um, and my very last question, which I ask everybody, is what does living life uncensored mean to you? Not caring what people think of you. Fair. Yeah. Hey, Rachel, thank you for coming on the show on a Friday night when it's raining and you're not feeling the best and you rock the house. I appreciate it. Until next time, guys. Peace. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours? What's going on, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the Uncensored Podcast. Whether you've listened to one episode or 40 episodes, I am so grateful for you taking any amount of time out of your day to listen to my show. Now, if you like what you heard, the best way to show me that you have an appreciation for this content is to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and share this podcast with at least three friends because that helps us spread the word, right? We don't have a big marketing budget over here at the Uncensored uh, Podcast Studios, which is my home office, by the way, but we do have your support. And with that support, we can reach thousands, if not hundreds of thousands. So guys, thanks so much uh, for your support. Please share this with three friends and leave a review and we'll see you on the next episode.